Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I am your host, the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition. We are going to have a phenomenal time as I talk with my guest co-host and contributor today, Natasha Frazier, about her newest release, With Every Breath, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Let me tell you, listeners, you are definitely going to enjoy this story. I certainly did. And I just started this morning. want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past eight years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. If you want to find out how you can be part of that ministry, simply go to patreon.com slash write stuff. And as always, we covet your prayers. We want to thank our corporate sponsor for their support. To find out how Christian Book Club can help you build your readership, go to christianbookclub.net. Natasha, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thank you. Now, where are you hailing from? I am right now in the Houston, Texas metro area. I was born and raised in Greenville, Mississippi, but I've been here since the end of 2007. What's it like being Texas? I always hear that cliche, everything's bigger in Texas. Tell us about it. And it is. It is. (laughs) I can remember when I first um, I first came here for an internship back in 2005. Even the food serving, you know, we would go to a restaurant, and I could never eat everything. I'm like, goodness, everything is bigger in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to eat the whole table. I thank you for thinking of my appetite, though. I noticed as you were talking, there were parts of you being illuminated in the book with every breath because you said you came from Mississippi and one of our characters lived in Mississippi, and they're in Texas, and one of our characters live in Texas. And it lets me ask the question, how did your writing journey begin? It started around high school. I started reading the BET, Arabesque Romance Novels. My mom would buy them, and she would just leave them, you know, lying on a table around the house, and she would never read them. And one day I asked her, you know, you know, can I read it? And she was like, okay, sure, go ahead. And ever since then... I've been reading, and shortly after, you know, I thought, you know, I, I want to write too. And even my um, my tenth grade English teacher um, told me that um, I had a gift for writing. But you know, at that time, when we would do the creative writing thing, I'd basically talk about people in the class and just change their name, but not a whole lot. Uh, <laughs> and I can remember her calling me too. Um, her desk one day and she was like is that you know and she said the person's name and I'm like no it's not true you know and it's just so funny not really realizing I need to like really change the name so people wouldn't know who I was talking about but when I went to college I uh, my major at first was business administration and I can remember right before classes started we would walk around the campus to find our classes and one of the girls I was with was an English major so we went into the College of Liberal Arts, and they had this big poster of, like, things you could do with an English degree. And so one of them was being a writer. And for, like, a, a hair of a second, I thought about it. But I'm like, no, I can't do that. You know, I'm coming to college to make money. I can't. <laughs> I can't change my major. So I didn't. Um, a couple of years later, I did actually change it to accounting. So I did stay in the College of Business. And, you know, as time went on, I went to grad school, and I started writing little devotionals and sending them to my friends. And, you know, someone would say, oh, you know, you you really should write a book. But, you know, as 
I love romance. I've always loved romance. You know, I told you I started reading the, the Arabesque books. And so for me, trying to figure out how to write romance and um, have my faith be a part of it, because at that point I was really growing in my faith, I couldn't figure out how to do both, especially with all the um, what goes on in those Arabesque romance novels. <laughs> We're talking about the um, nice steamy scenes in those books. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, still being young and not really knowing, like, what I could actually do. And I remember having one of my friends say, girl, you can write whatever you want to write. But still, in here, my little 20-year-old mind still couldn't quite um, grasp that. So uh, 2009 came. And at this point, I'm like, I'm ready. I am going to write a book. And I remember... Uh, the pastor at the church we were at at the time had us write down, like, our goals for the year, um, and he would pray over them. So January comes, it's 2009, I, you know, I write my goals down. And, you know, it was one of the big churches, so they had cameras. And so every Sunday they would roll back, um, like, scenes from earlier Sunday. So you could see me in the crowd, like, proudly, like, waving my journal in the air because I'm about to write this book, you know? Nothing. Of course, because no plan, no anything. I just know I'm going to write a book. So fast forward, um, 2011, the idea of writing was just really being impressed on my heart, really heavy to the point where I was always praying about it. And one night after I finished praying, I read Joshua 18 and 3. And it says, how long are you going to wait before you take possession of the land the Lord your God has already given to you? Mm-hmm. And so the background of that scripture text is, you know, God had already given the land to some of the tribes of Israel, but the ones who hadn't yet taken possession of their land, they're like, okay, God, what about us? You said you were, we were all getting this land. And God said, I've already given it to you. You just have to go out and possess it. And so for me, it just reminded me of my own procrastination because I had so many reasons of why um, I couldn't get started. And I guess guess the nuts and bolts of that is really just fear, um, which is one of the biggest things that holds us back. But, you know, after reading that, I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to get started. But then my next excuse was, um, well, my husband is using the computer for work, for um, school. So how am I going to, you know, I am not going to be able to write. So time went on. It's now January 2012. And I, T.D. Jakes had just gone off TV. Um, and I was just playing with the baby on the phone. She was one at that time, my oldest. This lady comes on. I don't even know who she is. But she started talking about this book she was supposed to write and how she had the title of the book, the names of some of the chapters that she had never shared with anyone. And then she said she had gone to some type of prayer conference or something. And the person speaking called her forward and spoke the name of the book in her ear along with the chapters that she And, you know, she never wrote the book. And she wants to say how, you know, when God gives us vision for something. It's not for our glory, it's for his glory. And if we don't do it, our assignment can be reassigned to somebody else because it's it's for the person on the other side of that. So at that moment, I decided I don't want to be the person to where, you know, God has given me something and it's being reassigned. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So 2012, that's how my uh, writing journey started with my very first book, which is The Life Your Spirit Craves. And it's a 30-day devotional and journal that encourages people to seek what it is that God um, is leading them to do and identify whatever it is that's holding you back and pursue it. What an incredible journey. And I love how you said 
the Lord led you to Joshua. He said, it's there. It's yours. Go get it. And that doesn't always apply to everything because we still need to seek the Lord how to do things because there is a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Had they taken the land years ago, it probably wouldn't be in its right position to be taken because they, they fought for about three or four years taking over that whole area. That's going to resonate with some of our listeners today as they are working on having their dreams, their goals, but they're letting things stop them. Why do we let fear stop us from our goals? You know, I think it has a lot to do with not knowing how it's going to be perceived, not knowing if you're going to get the support that you need. Fear is wrapped up a lot of time in the unknown. It reminds me of that movie, After Earth, and he said fear is being afraid of something that hasn't even happened. And that was one of the things that I took with me from that movie. It wasn't much, but that was one of the things I took with me. The other side of it, too, and I would love to have you speak to that, is from the movie Aquila and the Bee, where he quotes somebody, and I cannot remember. He said, it's not the fear of failure, but the fear of success. Let's talk about that. Wow, yeah, that's deep. We don't know where this thing is going to lead, right? And a lot of times we can't even, it's it's us who can't even imagine the bigger, right? And so, and because of that, we allow that to kind of steal us and keep us from, keep us from moving at all. Now, I call that the enemy because uh, that ain't the Lord who uh, wants you to feel that way. That That's the enemy. Oh, for sure. If he can stop us from what God has us to do, he definitely will, especially when it comes to success. And I think sometimes if we have big dreams, we think I can't get to those big dreams. And I have a family member. She says, I am going to be a billionaire. And you think, okay, but you're like, that's too big. And then you have to go, but my God is bigger. And God likes to take our dreams. He goes, oh, that's cute. I have something Mm -hmm. better for you. And I see how that relates to your story with Every Breath because our main character, Nina, spends her life encouraging people. And I got to wonder, is she based off of someone you know? Is it yourself even? Or is it a combination of things? I'm a graduate of Jackson State University where Andrew works and where um, she went to school. Yay! And so we have that in common. Her, Her illness comes from something I experienced earlier this year. I was having these dizzy spells. And for me, that felt like death because it was something I never experienced because I could just be sitting down, like doing nothing. And next thing you know, the room is spinning. And that's scary. It happened a lot while working out too. Um, And it turned out it was vertigo. And at the time I was thinking about, I was plotting this story something I usually don't do. I was plotting the story. And I, I knew it was going to be a second chance romance, and I knew I wanted them to go away together. But I'm thinking, like, what would make him drop everything and, and go away with her? Because 15 years is a long time to not having spoken to someone. Like, what would it take? And so I just took that experience and just dialed it up a thousand notches and gave it to her and that's what we got. 
And when I tell you she dialed it up a thousand notches, she really did. And it's something you discover at the beginning of the book, and I kind of want to probe it. But before I do that, let's tell listeners what With Every Breath, in fact, what the series The McCall Family is about. Okay. So the, the series focuses on um, the, the two brothers. Um, eventually we get to the point where their dad built this um, family-owned luxury um, hotel brand. And so um, he wants his son to take over, Mammy, preferably Andrew being the oldest. He wants him to leave the company. But Darius, the, the younger son, is the one who truly desires to do it. He's, he stayed at home. He got his degree in um, hotel management. Like, this is what he feels like he was born to do. Um, but instead, his, his dad has his own um, ideas. With Andrew being away, Andrew um, desires to help um, students, help mold the next gen- generation. He's a professor at, at Jackson State University. And so that's where he feels like he belongs. And so when Andrew left home to go to school, not returning, that sort of caused a rift in their family. And so we're, we're trying to, to mend um, what's going on between them. And, and Andrew eventually owns up to his part in not being there. That's kind of where I'm going to say before I say too much about what happened. And most people know I am spoiler sensitive. If you give away one spoiler to me sometimes, <laughs> I can't even finish the book. As soon as I saw the book, I remember talking to Angela Anderson from uh, her company, talked to her to connect us together, and I was like, you got to have me have her on there. She's like, oh, okay. You know, so I was really excited to have you come on board. And then reading the book, just delving into this world where there is a serious decision to be made, and that decision is this. She has 30 days to live. What would I do if I was told I only have 30 days to live. One thing that would happen, you would focus on what is important, and nothing does that like impending death. So when you put that sort of pressure on yourself, you really start to find out, I think, who you are as a person as well. For this particular story, for one, we needed a timeline. It couldn't be a couple of years or, you know, a maybe sort of thing. It had to be this is what's going to happen. And so what are you going to do about it? And so not only does she have to deal with it, she sort of forces Andrew, I hate to say force because he loves her, right? Well, she brings it to the forefront. She wasn't going to tell him about it. And I was going to go throughout the book without um, him knowing but, you know, I said, you know, that's not fair to him. And, and she struggles with that throughout because she didn't want him to be there just because of the fact that she had this prognosis. She wanted him to be there because he loved her. Um, and I, I think that I really love Andrew's character because he's so sacrificial. And he felt like, okay, well, if this is all we have, then let's try to make the best of it and, you know, do what we can do to make the best of it. And so I, I think it, you know, also causes him to think, you know, with this short period of time, am I going to hold on to something that happened 15 years ago? 
is that even really important now, knowing that in just days' time, we can't do anything about it anymore? And so I, I think it called, you know, as I was writing this book, you know, as I said before, it kind of made me think as well, like, dang, what would you do if you only had that amount of time left, knowing you, you knew your expiration date? Uh, that's something very morbid to think about, <laughs> I think. Um, but it really forces you to think about what's important and pushing everything else to the side. Because, you know, at this point, my career, her career, it doesn't matter. Like, not a, like, like for him, he can pick his career back up, you know, and, and do whatever it is he, he needs to do. Um, because presumably he's going to have time left. But for her, okay, I can walk away from this thing because I, I got to choose what's more important to me. So I like the idea that Nina's attitude when she's faced with this is not despairing as much as I want to do what I should have done. What I love about with every breath that you did is that you have our main character focus on what can I set right. And you have her realizing the positivity of this negativity. And if it was me, I probably would not have been as positive as Nina. I probably would be like, oh, Jesus, why? Well, if this is what you want for my life, but I will take experimental drugs. <laughs> like every something. Something. But I love the fact that she's so positive, even with herself. Of course, she's going to have down time. You can't help it but she's positive in her negativity. And it brought to mind about the verse that everything works together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. She has spent her life trying to bring that to others, and now God was giving her a purpose even in this tragedy. And he gave her focus too. I'm not going to give too much away. So I'm going to shift it from Nina's predicament to Andrew's response to that. If you knew that your husband or your loved one, whoever they were, only had 30 days, how would you respond? So let's talk about his response to her. Okay. So she she wanted him to, to go. The thing was, okay, uh, I want you to go away with me. And I think to drop that on somebody who you haven't talked to or seen in 15 years, it's like, you're, you're kind of crazy. But I think for him, he knows her enough to know that something's not right. Like, that's not the kind of person you are. And I love that, you know, he probed, like, okay, it's me. Tell me. Uh, you know, I won't judge you. I'm here for you. You know, he, he still loved her. And I just, I really love that love that he had for her um, to the point to where he, he was willing to give up, you know, whatever he had going on just to make sure that she was okay. Even in her last days, I'm going to make sure you're all right. I can put me on hold. I can deal with me later, whatever my issues are. But for right now, Let's take care of you. And I love that aspect of his love that he has for her. Again, not a spoiler because you find this out 
really early in the beginning, but that doesn't take anything away from the journey. I told Natasha before we started broadcasting that she has a very subtle writing style. It's my first time reading your book, but it's very subtle. But that subtleness packs a wallop. It's kind of like you touching velvet and hitting steel. And that was the way I would describe it because even the title, With Every Breath, takes on multiple meanings and multiple themes. Like, you're only told I have 30 days. What am I going to do with every breath I have within those 30 days? And for Andrew, his response is, how am I going to be a help to you with every breath that you have that I can enjoy with you? I want to keep breathing the same air you are as long as possible. So that's what I mean about the subtlety of your writing. Even though it's subtle, it's packing lots of thoughts and wallops in there. And then you do have, we will always have, always have family drama. Family drama is what makes the world around, okay? Without giving away too many spoilers, you already talked about how Andrew's family comes from wealth. They have a luxurious resort-style brand. And as you were describing it in the book, I wanted to get a ticket and go. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> we, we need to go because obviously I need to be there. And just the luxuriousness of it is a place where you want to just relax and even just get away all your troubles. But Andrew fights against that because he has a different calling. And I want to talk to our listeners about that, though, Natasha, because sometimes what people think you should do is not what God wants you to do. Let's talk about that conflict that happens with family expectations or expectations that someone else has for you and what God's call and purpose is for you. It's important that we are are firm and we are strong in, you know, who God has called us to be. Um, you really have to be in tune with your relationship with God and listening to the Holy Spirit because uh, uh, there are going to be a lot of people, including family sometimes, who want to tell you what, um, you know, what God told them on on your behalf, you know, that sort of thing, or, you know, people speaking into your life. But having your own relationship with God and going to the throne and praying and reading your word, um, if they're not confirming what God has already told you, then, hey, that, that's, that's not what God told me, right? And so the Bible, you know, talks about, you know, getting wise counsel, um, having people pray with you for what it is that you believe that God is leading you to, not having people just come into your life because as humans, we like to push our own agenda, right? Because if it's something that's going to better me, you know, well, you know, I believe God wants you to help me market these books, you know, but, right? Is that really what God is leading you to do? Is so that you, what you, you have want to me be, to do? <laughs> right. So you got to be firm, firm in self and firm in your own, knowing your own purpose and who God has created you to be. Um, and I think for Andrew, he he was clear on that. Um, who God has created him to be and what he should be doing at whatever point in his life because there are times when our assignment changes based on our stage in life. So um, today, you know, you may be an author, but, you know, tomorrow you may be an editor. Uh, God may, and we talked about this, you know, before, like we don't know um, oftentimes how big 
God's vision is for our lives. Because if we did know, most of us, it would probably scare us to death. So if you, I like to picture it as a scroll, you know. Uh, you know, scrolls are, are rolled up and, you know, you can only see a little bit at a time. And so right now we're only seeing this part in time. God is not going to open all of that up because we probably have a stroke, right? We'll go to thinking and trying to plan it and figure out how this is going to happen, but God has already given us provision. Um, but it's just important to not let um, other people push their vision on you. Another aspect of this novel that I enjoyed is that it answers the call of people looking for diverse fiction. And you show a beautiful sense of black love and why that is important to the Christian fiction mainstream publishing arena is because there hasn't been that kind of visibility with black love, particularly in a clean fashion. It's, and I'm not knocking people who like urban fiction. I should not. I should say that right. If you like urban fiction, you like what you like. I get it. But oftentimes right. they show a negative view of African-Americans, gangsters, and uh, whatever, whatever. Okay, and I like reading them too. I've read a few of them. I was telling you about one of them I read, but I read a few, and um, you know, I don't really care for it too much. But I've read a few that are really good. That keeps my interest. But you have that nice dynamic here, and then you don't make race an issue with the book. It's just when you share this with your readers, what has been their response? You know, this actually has been one of my uh, most well-received fiction books to date, and I'm so excited, and I'm I'm really thankful for that because I really enjoy writing it. I think it's, um, I will say it's my best, but the next one coming out, right, it's always better. Uh, Darius' story, with every step, is better. Um, Really enjoyed the series. I feel like the characters were more dynamic. They, um, They had more conflict, a lot more going on. I just, I, I love this story. Even going back, you know, editing, all I could do was just smile throughout. You know, I just caught myself. I'm just teasing. Cause I'm like, this is good. I love this story. I love Nina and Andrew. So. Plus, they're an older couple. And a lot of fiction yeah. tends to have a couple's really young. Like, people stop falling in love at 39. And that's when people stop falling <laughs> in love at 39. No one gets married in their 40s. And no one has, you know, desires when they're 50. None at all you know so I love that they're a little bit older and it lets them know too in a way I kind of like that though because she did her dream he did his dream too they were separate for 15 years but they didn't let broken hearts stop them from achieving their goals and that's something that Nina preaches in the beginning of the book about no matter who abandoned you who didn't believe in you who thought you should have did this don't let that stop you and she didn't let that stop her either so both of these characters are coming together strong anyway they're already know who they are as people sometimes I think we're so focused on finding the love for someone else that we forget to find the love for self and I can definitely relate to that because I have been accused of that more than once. I have a hard time putting myself before others. So I definitely understand the dilemma when it comes to that. So you have these really strong characters and Nina and Andrew. Then you have the family dynamic that mixes it all up together. You have this horrible decision that has to be made. 
that she had to make. You have this man responding to that, and through it all, you don't know if they're going to have that time. And by chapter two, you are rooting for this couple. You definitely want to know, are they going to have the time? And guess what, gang? Not a spoiler alert, but we don't know. We honestly don't know. We don't know. And you're constantly rooting for them because you don't go too much into it. We're constantly rooting like, oh, my gosh, are they going to have happily ever after? Or is this going to be Natasha's Nicholas Sparks novel <laughs> where every, every, every couple dies in the end? Like, really? And we love his work, though. We love Nicholas Sparks, even though they all yeah. die, you know. But <laughs> is it going to be I like know. that? <laughs> so I don't know. Gang, I don't know. I haven't finished a book, so I have no idea. But my heart was in my throat as I was reading it because you want them to succeed. And that tells you how good this book is when you are really involved in the characters' lives. You want them to be happy. You want them to succeed. You want to imagine a world where you're going to go to their house because they have a nice house. <laughs> you want to go there. And I want to go. <laughs> I want to be there too. Have tea. I drink tea. Yeah. Have tea with them. So yeah, there's a lot going on in this book. Now, what I am going to do is ask you to read an excerpt from it. Okay, so this is the point where um, Nina has, she's going back to Jackson State University because she is the commencement speaker, the December um, the fall commencement speaker. But she goes back a few days early because she wants to see Andrew. So Andrew knows she's coming. He knows she's the commencement speaker, but he's not expecting her to come so soon. So we pick up at the point where Nina is headed to his office to see him. Nina took a deep breath and pulled open the door to the College of Education, where she was greeted by an eight. She'd only been inside a few times when meeting Andrew after class, and she couldn't remember a thing because everything had changed. The building had received a complete upgrade. A warmth of satisfaction spread through her at the thought of her alumni dollars being put to good use. Nina followed signage to the hall of instructor offices. Andrew's door had been the second to the right, and she marched down the hall and stopped. Light shined into the hallway from his open door, and a sudden onset of dizziness came over her. She stumbled over to the wall and rested her head against the cold surface until the spinning subsided. Nina inhaled and exhaled once. I can do this. I didn't come all this way just to give a speech. Nina took another calming breath. We've got unfinished business. So what? It's been nearly two decades. One more calming breath, and she stood, squared her shoulders, moved to the open door, and tapped twice. Help me, Lord. Come in. How had she forgotten the smoothness of his tenor voice? She could have melted on the spot when he looked up from his laptop and his almond eyes took hold of hers, laced with a softness she probably didn't deserve from him. He was happy to see her. She gripped the doorknob to steady herself. Too bad there was nothing to steady the flip-flop going on with a rapid pacing of her heart. His features hadn't changed much, but it was apparent he'd aged. His physical maturity served him well. The light stubble under his chin, the dark, cleanly shaven mustache, his strong jawline set against the canvas of his mahogany skin. If she had to die soon, she knew right then that she wanted to spend her last days with him. Andrew loosened the Windsor knot 
that suddenly seemed too tight to give passage to the oxygen that needed in and the carbon monoxide that needed out, making it possible for him to breathe as his gaze rested on his heart standing in the doorway to his office. The sight before him left him momentarily paralyzed, made him forget to breathe. Nina Robinson in the flesh, more beautiful than the day she'd left and more stunning than she appeared on his TV or internet streaming services. Though he'd given the invitation to enter his office, she hesitated. She arched her eyebrows as if to question his certainty. Her slightly slanted hazelnut eyes still had a way of warring into his soul. His gaze traveled the length of her, taking in her bronze skin and five feet five frame clad in fitted jeans, a long sleeve emerald tee, and sleeveless puffed vest. He'd mentally tried to prepare for the moment he'd see her giving her speech at the graduation ceremony, and she was four days early, too early. Andrew gently shook his head to ensure Nina wasn't a figment of his imagination, ran an open palm over his face, and blinked to clear his vision. After the way she'd left him, the last thing he wanted was for her to know that her presence still had the ability to make his heart forget its purpose. That is an excerpt from With Every Breath by our guest co-host and contributor today, Natasha Frazier. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. And if you take a look at the reviews, it is getting rave reviews. So why don't you go ahead, love on my sister today, and pick up your copy of With Every Breath. Natasha, we've come to the end of our show today, and I cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your schedule to be with us today. This show is always about encouraging authors to pick up the pen and use the gift that God gave them. So in the few moments that we have left, can you give them some encouraging words out there today? Yes, even if it, for writers, you know, even if it's just uh, a couple of minutes, um, I like to trick myself sometimes when I, um, I don't really feel like writing. I'll just say, oh, I'll write 100 words. And, you know, sometimes 100 words can come pretty easily. Then it's like, okay, well, you know, i just do 50 more. And, you know, the next thing you know, I've written 1,000 words that evening. A lot of times it's just, you know, getting my butt in the seat and, and sitting down to get it done because I have so many distractions. And I try to write um, either like in the middle of the day during my lunch break or when the kids go to sleep. So somebody always finds a way to need me otherwise um, when I'm writing. But you know what? I'm doing nothing. Nobody cares what I'm up to, right? But the moment I get behind this laptop, it's like, well, you said you were off today, you know? <laughs> and just, and, and you know, for, for readers, um, you know, whatever it is that, you know, God is leading you to do, you know, I just encourage you to take a step of faith, you know, even if it's just a small step, um, spend some time and, and do it and get it done. All Because, you know, sometimes we can look at stuff in, in so big of a picture, if we just kind of break it down in, in little steps, uh, we'll find out that it is attainable. We can get it done. So, A friend of mine shared a quote that said, how do you eat an elephant? And it said one piece at a time. And Absolutely. that book may be your elephant, but if you attack it one piece at a time, eventually you'll completely consume and complete your book. Thank Absolutely. you so much for joining me, Natasha. Really enjoyed having you, and I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. All right. Thank you so much for having me.
And we were talking today to Natasha Frazier. She is the author of the book, With Every Breath, which is book one of the McCall Family Series, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. I hope you were inspired just as I was as I listened to Natasha tell her story of her journey. Is your story similar to hers? What are you doing to use the gift that God gave you? Why don't you go ahead? Pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.